0: Letter forty five of the History of Lady Barton. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Devorah Allen. The History of Lady Barton by Elizabeth Griffith. Letter forty five Miss Cleveland to Lady Barton. Paris. The seeing my letter dated from this place. Will, in some measure, account to my dear Louisa for my silence time when she stood most in need of every consolation that friendship could bestow on a tenderly beloved and suffering sister. I am, however, selfish enough to rejoice that I was unacquainted with the danger that threatened your life till it was past, for I had the painful pleasure of receiving both your letters on my arrival here last night, truly distressing and affecting as they are, my head is at present so filled with the extraordinary events which have happened within a very short space that though my heart is truly sensible of your afflictions, I find it impossible to give its feelings vent till I have informed you of a circumstance which I am certain will afford you the sincerest pleasure. Delia, my brother's beloved Delia, Delia Colville lives. As Zanga says, first recover that, and then you shall hear further. Our good angel, our dear Mrs. Walter, received a letter from Père Guillaume about the middle of last month acquainting her that he would meet her at calais and attend her to what part of france she pleased but were he to recommend any particular convent it should be la dame ursuline at saint omer's as the superior was his near relation and particular friend this recommendation was perfectly agreeable to mrs walter for many reasons the vicinity of saint omer to england was perhaps the strongest as it flattered her with the hopes of seeing me at some time or other if she lived and rendered the immediate removal of her daughter convenient in case of her death. I accompanied her to Dover, and feared that I had taken my last farewell of my amiable friend when I saw her embark for Calais. I heard from her in a few days after our parting, and she was not worse. I had then determined to spend the remainder of the summer at Cleveland Hall, in executing some little romantic plans of improvement in order to amuse myself, and surprise Sir George at his return from Italy, which he had promised should be before winter but a second letter from Mrs. Walter afforded me an opportunity of surprising him indeed. She told me that in the convent where she then resided there was a very beautiful young English lady who went by the name of Wilson, who, upon having seen the address of her letter to me, as it went to the tour in order to be sent to the post-office, implored her permission to speak to her in private, that some time had elapsed before she could find an opportunity, and when she did she informed her that her name was Colville, delia colville i again repeat it that she had been placed there by her mother without her knowledge or consent who had desired that she might be closely confined debarred the use of pen and ink and prevented from even going into the parlour or conversing with any of the pensioners as she was represented to be so artful that she would corrupt and impose on them by the insincere plausibility of her manners and was actually upon the point of disgracing her family by a shameful connection with a man of inferior rank and fortune. That in consequence of this cruel aspersion she had been treated with the utmost severity that the rules of the convent would admit of, and that from the time of her entrance till that moment she had never heard from her mother or any other person whatsoever. She then, blushing, mentioned Sir George Cleveland, and said she had long vainly flattered herself that he would have sought her out, and released her from so iniquitous and cruel a confinement, but that even if he had forgotten and forsaken her, she was convinced that his sister's humanity would interest itself in behalf of an oppressed and injured person, whom she had once honoured with the name of friend. She added that the mildness of her temper, and the perfect acquiescence she had shown under the severe restraints that were imposed on her, had influenced the nuns to treat her with less harshness than at first, and that she had lately been allowed the honour of conversing with the superior." But that the moment she attempted to justify herself from her mother's slander, she was enjoined silence and was obliged to retire to her cell after having this reflection urged against her that it must be always more natural to suppose children to be undutiful or ungrateful than that parents should be unkind or unjust. This maxim is certainly true in general, but there are sometimes instances which occur in life that baffle all philosophy with regard to the human mind. Oh, my dear Louisa. Does not your heart grieve for the sufferings of the innocent and unoffending Delia? When Mrs. Walter promised her to acquaint me with her situation, she cried out, "'It is enough. I know, Miss Cleveland. I shall be released. Yet sure, Sir George will at least accompany his sister, if she should come to take me out of my confinement, and I shall see him once again.' Mrs. Walter told her she believed that would be impossible, for—she interrupted her—by exclaiming, "'Is he married?' If he is, I may as well stay here. Miss Cleveland's kindness will be useless to me. On Mrs. Walter's telling her that he was in Italy, and not married, she kissed her hand and bathed it with her tears, and said, Do not despise me, madam, for loving the most amiable of men. He is the counterpart of your Miss Cleveland, and if you knew him, you would love him also. The moment I received Mrs. Walter's letter, I went immediately to Councillor W., "'to know what were the proper and legal steps "'to be taken for the recovery of my beloved Delia. "'He told me he would wait on the Lord Chancellor next day "'and furnish me with proper powers "'to compel Mrs. Colville to produce her daughter "'in the chancery chamber, "'who, as a minor, was to be considered as a ward of the court, "'though the guardianship of her person and fortune "'had before been granted to her detestable mother.' I then returned home, wrote to Mrs. Walter, and enclosed a few lines to Delia, entreating her to keep up her spirits till I could effect her release, which I promised to do with the utmost expedition. I ordered my clothes to be packed up, and a chaise with four horses to be in readiness the next day, and the moment Councillor W. furnished me with my instructions, I set out for Dover, accompanied by my maid and two men-servants. There was a messenger dispatched at the same time with his lordship's order to Mrs. Colville but if she should not be found, or should abscond upon receiving it, I am to apply to Lord H., our ambassador in France, whom I have the honour of being very well acquainted with, to procure a special mandate from the court of Versailles for her release. I wrote to my brother, who is now at Naples, in a very ambiguous style, hinting as if I had heard some vague report of Delia's being alive, for I durst not trust him with the mighty joy at once, as I have been told that the sudden effects of that passion have sometimes been as fatal in their consequences as those of grief. I then informed him of my intention of going to Paris, and said, as I knew all places were indifferent to him, I hoped he would have gallantry enough to meet me there, as the pleasure I promised myself in seeing him was the principal cause of my undertaking the journey. The moment of my arrival at Saint-Omer I was met by Mrs. Walter. I need not describe to you the effects of our interview— I flatter myself that she looks better than she did. She says the joy she feels at having been, though accidentally, the instrument of good to the amiable Delia, has roused her spirits from the torpid state they had continued in, while she considered herself but as a useless burthen, or at best an insignificant blank in life. She told me she had not had an opportunity of seeing Miss Colville since she received my letter, but at prayers that she had endeavoured to render her looks as expressive as possible by the cheerfulness of her air, and that Delia seemed to understand the hint in her favour. She advised me not to go to the convent, as it was certain that I should not be permitted to see Miss Colville, and her hearing that I had been there might throw her off her guard, so far as to alarm the nuns and make them confine her still more closely, or perhaps transfer her, as is sometimes the case, over to some other convent. I was convinced by her reasons And restraining my fond impatience, I set out the next morning for Paris, where I arrived last night, and have the mortification to learn this morning that Mrs. Colville is gone to Toulouse, as it is thought to settle there. The Lord Chancellor's messenger is gone off post to her, and here must I remain till his return. And now let me assure my Louisa that not even the joy I feel at the certainty of Delia's restoration can prevent me for a moment from sympathizing in the tenderest manner with her distress.' "'the circumstances of which "'are certainly equally difficult and mortifying. "'There never was anything so unfortunately critical "'as your situation with that vile Walter "'when Sir William's arrival was announced. "'The snare, as you say, seemed contrived by fate. "'I honour your struggling through it, "'and not letting the wretch triumph in the success of his scheme, "'which he certainly would have done "'had you carried on the deceit beyond the moment "'that it was absolutely necessary. "'I am grieved, but not surprised,' at the effect which the anguish of your mind has had upon your constitution, and am, I hope, truly thankful for your recovery. And may it be a perfect one. Surely, Louisa, you ought to think Lord Lucan to blame with regard to the picture. He must have hazarded your reputation by making a confidant of the person who placed it on your table. Can it be possible that the enamoured Harriet can have verified, nay, exceeded, the romantic ideas of submissive tenderness which Pryor has given us in the character of his Emma? I know not what to think, but if Harriet be indeed the confidant of Lord Lucan, she claims the highest degree of admiration that the strongest fortitude, joined with the tenderest sensibility, can possibly excite. But this character comprehends, perhaps, something more than woman. Do not be outdone by her, my sister, but strive to emulate the virtue which you must admire. Were you to look minutely into the situation of my heart, you would find that I can practice as well as preach.' FOR THOUGH I PERHAPS MAY NEVER BE ENTIRELY ABLE TO ERADICATE ALL TRACES OF MY WEAKNESS FOR LORD HUME, I HAVE, BY A KIND OF DISCIPLINE, MORE SEVERE THAN ANY IN THE ROMISH CHURCH, CONQUERED MY DESIRE OF SPEAKING OF HIM. NOR DO I ALLOW EVEN MY THOUGHTS THE FOND THOUGH SAD INDULGENCE OF CONTEMPLATING EITHER HIS FAULTS OR MERITS. FOR THE MOMENT HIS IDEA OBTRUDES ITSELF UPON MY MIND, I SNATCH UP A BOOK OR PEN, AND DRIVE HIM DIRECTLY FROM THAT PLACE WHICH HE WAS NOT WORTHY TO INHABIT. Take notice that the poets are banished out of my library, and that my present studies are of the reasoning kind, and call for all my attention. I wish you could be prevailed upon to try this recipe, for indeed I am, for many reasons, more anxious for your recovery even than for my own. My malady can only injure an individual, and that myself. Yours, like a contagion, must be fatal to many. Stop the infection, then, before it spreads, and you will hereafter reflect with pleasure, "'that so many persons who are and ought to be dear to you "'are indebted for their happiness to your virtue. "'I am convinced that this sentiment will have more weight with you "'than any selfish consideration could, "'for full well I know the nobleness of my Louisa's nature. "'I was much pleased with Sir William's behaviour "'on account of your supposed lameness, "'and still more so with your candour in relating it to me, "'as there is no doubt but that his kindness "'must have luckily increased your own self-condemnation.' I wish Harriet would make you the confidant of her innocent passion for Lord Lucan, as your tenderness for her, joined to your own delicacy, would then restrain you from the too dangerous indulgence of talking of him, at least before her, and I should then wish that she might not be a moment out of your sight. Forgive me, my ever dear and amiable sister, for presuming to dictate to a heart an understanding like yours, but the greatest physician will not prescribe for himself when sick, and will even condescend to take the advice of a person whose skill he knows to be inferior to his own all i can plead in favour of my present prescription is that i have tried it on myself with success and that it is recommended to you by the warmest affection of f cleveland End of letter forty-five.